Radio Reverb. I probed into its mysteries. Every clue told me a different story. Radio Reverb. Hello and welcome to In-House the Podcast, reimagined and reformatted for Radio Reverb. My name's Will Hood. And this show is essentially a collection of interviews and music with artists on the in-house records label. These conversations were all recorded remotely over the phone at the height of the pandemic lockdown. So sometime between March 2020 and the summer of 2021. And as you're about to hear, in-house records is the world's first prison run record label which means that all of the artists you'll be hearing from have spent some time in prison and would typically have gotten involved with the record label while serving time. You can find this podcast out in the wild, as it were, on all of the usual streaming platforms. But over the next hour, you'll be listening to an amalgamation of three podcast episodes, all of which are with artists talking about the role creativity played in helping them survive prison and transform their lives. If you want to find out more about In-House Records, then you should go to inhouserecords.org. But for now, the label wants all listeners to know that they recognise the severity of criminal acts and their far-reaching societal implications. Our aim is not to excuse, but to better understand the environments and challenges faced by those who find themselves in Her Majesty's prisons through conversation and engaging dialogue. In-House Records is a community interest company working collaboratively with HMPPS to bring about the space for positive change to take place. So this month we have interviews and music with three in-house artists known respectively as Jeffrey, Alfred and Phil. Each of these men have their own story to tell about the role creativity has had and continues to have in their life. And each of them have obviously drawn great strength from the pursuit of music during difficult times. I hope you enjoy hearing what these guys have to say and I'll check in with you again on the other side of these three interviews. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi, Emma. Hello, mate. Welcome to In-House, the podcast about creativity and confinement. My name's Will Hood and today we are talking with 25-year-old Jeffrey Hunter. Now, Jeffrey served a sentence of three years and four months, mainly at HMP Rochester. Passionate about the music industry, he's now running a talent agency called Colossal, which you can find via all the usual social media channels. Why don't we start by you telling me a little bit about your backstory? Um, how did you come across in-house? Uh, what difference did they make to your life? Where were you? Uh, what were you doing? Yeah, so um, I came across in-house when I was at Rochester um, towards the beginning of my sentence and I heard that they were doing like guitar lessons um, teaching people um, like mentor people in the direction that they wanted to go um, in relation to music Did you literally hear them as in hear them in the room next door or did somebody tell you about them? Um, so initially I had heard them because they were um, in like a church space so it was like the vibrations were quite loud and there was in um, a huge space and I was obviously wondering what that was and then someone on my wing called Aaron um, said that he was going to it um, and then he was able to get me onto it and then they put my name forward 
and then eventually I was able to go to the weekly classes. How long was your was your sentence, Jeffrey? If you don't mind me asking. Um, so my full sentence was three years, four months. So I served just under half of that. Okay, and at what point did this uh, meeting of in-house happen? Um, so that must have happened around four months in. Okay, so fairly Something near like the beginning. Yeah, fairly yeah. near the beginning. In terms of when you come into a new, like a new jail, um, it's like overwhelming. You don't know anyone there. Um, obviously, you're there to like, obviously do your time and try and get through it um, as best as possible. Um, and then, in addition to that, you're having to like be banged up a lot of the time because obviously you're new there and you don't have anything allocated to you. You have to work in this like workshop where you're like putting like plastic uh, toilet drains together um, and you're having to do that for like six hours a day, which is just long. So that was the start of the process when you're at Rochester and it took a while to be able to get out there and do all the classes because you just have to try really hard to actually get to the position that you want. So you had been involved with music uh, before that experience. Tell me yeah. a little bit about that. Uh, so I, I had studied at the University of Sussex um, and then I moved to BIM uh, when I was away. Um, so I was studying a music technology degree um, and then when I eventually got to Ford, I started studying at BIM. So, so, so for anybody listening that isn't aware of BIM, BIM is the Brighton Institute of Modern Music. Is that what it stands for? Yeah, or yeah, British Institute of Modern Music. But it gives you all the fundamentals that you need to be able to come out and actually pursue whichever part of the music industry it is you want. Um, they actually give you like really good skills for it. So you, you have this background uh, of, of studying in the music industry, how the music industry yeah. works. You end up um, having to take some time out because of the sentence that you served. And yeah. then, so explain to me the ways in which in-house, I suppose, kept that vision alive for you and how you've continued to be involved with them on the outside, right? Yeah. So it, it was able um, to show me different routes to take um, actually within the music industry. And since then, I've set up my own talent agency in managing artists, um, especially like up and coming artists to give them like a platform to and direction to get into the music industry as it can be really tough. Right, I mean, that, that sounds amazing. So so let's have a plug for that. What's the name of the talent agency? So it's called Colossal uh, Talent Agency. Um, and yeah, we specialize in helping up and coming artists break into the music industry and just like give, helping them with their branding and direction. So, so they basically like look good to um, the key people within the industry so that they have that chance. The tune that we're listening to right now, 
you've sent me is by Coco Puffs, and you, it's yeah. it's falling for love, right? So, how does yeah. that relate to what you're telling me about and what you're up to? So, um, Coco Puffs are a group of um, producers from Sweden um, who I recently started managing. They sent me some music through a platform called Submit Hub, where you can send music to various labels and agencies and blogs to be able to look at. Um, people have to respond within 48 hours, so you always get someone looking at your music, whether it's an independent label or a bigger independent label or like a blog or a view site or newspaper. Um, it's a platform that people will definitely take a look at your music. And then in relation to the Coco Puff song, through that, um, I had discovered them and heard their sound and realized it was something that I would like to work with. So I signed them up um, as artists that I'm going to manage. And then after they showed me this song, um, we decided it would be um, good to like self-release it so that it doesn't have to be put through a major label. So I decided to release it on my independent label. Um, and through that, we've also partnered up with a company called Listen Up. Um, and now they are heading up the PR, um, playlisting and radio strategies, um, which should all kick off by the end of this week. What difference did a creative outlet mean to you, um, you know, whilst you're in prison, but also, you know, but for your for your mental health, I guess, what, what difference did it make? So, like, it was giving me tasks to be able to, like, focus on stuff and learn new skills, um, whereas before I wouldn't be able to learn something new. I, I would just be, like, doing the same thing in and out. It's like just draining on your mind and then you're, you're going back to your room. Whereas I can't just like always do one thing at a time because um, I get bored, I guess, quite easily. So it's good to have like multiple things to focus on. So then having the ability to do music, which is something which I was doing before I came in. Um, and it just gave me variation and the ability to learn new stuff which was great, and also meet new people. I mean, how, yeah. how important do you think a project like In House is to guys in prison? And, and no matter what sentence you're going through, right? I mean, it's not an easy place to be. Mm. Yeah, like, it's, I guess it's, it's able to give you that motivation, um, that sort of, like, community sense. So, like, you have people at in-house that are in the, all in the same position as you but everyone has like the motivation and the hope to actually progress with their lives and like not get trapped into the same cycle because I feel like sometimes I don't know like officers or sometimes the system tries to make it hard to give like therapeutic help or, or motivational help to actually help change and make sure that people don't go back down the same route 
for the reasons why they got in there and I feel like in-house actually helps you with that yeah everyone in there has had a similar experience so they're all like motivating and wanting you to obviously do your best and no one really wants to uh, go back once you've been there so everyone's just as supportive as one another I mean why is that do you think that um, a lot of guys are on this revolving door in and out of prison I mean I think it's just like the surroundings and the people that you surround yourself with say people that have like no home or families um, it's really hard to get help like you would think uh, when you come out they'll give you like somewhere to stay um, and somewhere and, and the, can, like, them being the government so, or social services yeah the services government or, yeah. yeah but for when you come out to give you some like rehabilitation and uh, people to actually speak to and um, give you like routes to take and options that are feasible for you to actually get out and live a better life um, but from being inside and meeting people and seeing people that didn't have a place to go and trying to fight their way to get a place like some people had to stay longer because they had no like fixed abode and it was like extremely difficult so then they end up maybe staying with like a friend but who's involved in the wrong stuff and stuff and then they just have to go back to the same same shit basically and then also people not being able to get a job right away so then people just turn to crime and it's hard if you don't have that family or someone who's there to like support you then it's hard to go down the right track because obviously the life of crime is just the easiest way to go One of the conversations around, again, around in-house that comes up a lot, and this is, I guess, more about the prison system, yeah. is whether prison is uh, or, or should be about punishment or rehabilitation. And so I wonder what you think about that. Uh, yeah, I was actually having this discussion with my friend yesterday. Um, and I feel that it should be about like rehabilitation rehabilitation there are so many reasons behind why people are doing different things and it's not all like fully straightforward so it's due to like the upbringing and obviously the way things have sort of been instilled into people um and they haven't all had the same opportunities that everyone has some people have but have been steered down the wrong path due to certain things like for example if people aren't good in school and they don't understand things too much um, and they haven't got the help that they needed to actually do well in school so they've just dropped out and then turned to crime or they've been told that school's the only way to do stuff otherwise you're, you're not going to become like successful sort of thing so if people haven't been able to go down the conventional route and they haven't been told that there's another decent route to actually take then they just turn to something else so i wonder in respect of what we've just been talking about 
whether you have any thoughts um, for people that are in there right now, I guess, looking at all different lengths of sentences, uh, but also going through this extra layer of lockdown, which the COVID-19 pandemic has brought about, right? Um, and as I understand yeah. it, people are spending a lot more time in their cells. A lot of the visiting extra activities have been cut. So, I mean, any, any thoughts about how you how you managed to get through that psychologically? Uh, so, with me, it was just, I guess, thinking of the progression that I was making, like, and the changes that I was making within myself whilst inside, because obviously inside you have a ton of time on your hands. So then just thinking about the hard work and the progress that you're making, I guess gives you the hope for when that release date comes and you're like, right, you've done all of this and achieved so many things. Then when you come out, you're just, you're free um, to pursue whatever it is that you want to. What are your hopes for the future, um, personally, but also professionally? Um, so professionally, actually, I started um, a digital marketing thing because obviously now events and stuff have gone to a halt. Um, I started doing digital marketing. Um, so personally, I want to try and build and scale this like digital marketing agency in addition to everything else because I think digital marketing like works hand in hand with all the other projects I've been working on. So the ideal outcome would be by the end of 2020 to have like a big client list that I'm working with um, for the artists that I'm managing to have a bigger platform to push their music out to and then really just be like deep in the music industry. All right, mate. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. And hopefully at some uh, post-COVID uh, type scenario, we can meet in person at some yeah. in-house event. Yeah, sweet. That sounds good. All right, Jeffrey. Take care. That's good. You too. All right, bye. Bye. To find out more about the world's only prison-run record label, Go to inhouserecords.org. That's all one word, inhouserecords.org. And if you'd like to hear more of these interviews, please hit subscribe if you can on whatever platform you use for podcasts. The In-House Podcast is an APA production for In-House Records. Radio Reverb. Welcome to In-House, the podcast about creativity and confinement. My name's Will Hood and today we're talking to Alfred, who at the time of recording this had been released from HMP Stanford Hill only seven days earlier. Hello, Will. Hi, Alfred. How are you doing, man? He's a true creative spirit with some big ideas and insights and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Records, just 
just over half of my settings done. Yeah, and in-house helped me a lot. But let's talk about this track that you've sent me. It's a gorgeous track. I've got to say, I get sent a lot of music um, by guys that I've been interviewing. What I'm intrigued about is that you're calling it Sexy Drill, right? And so I was expecting uh, some fierce vocals to kind of drop in, but but they don't, right? So it's actually, what I hear is this really nicely produced, super sexy uh, instrumental track that, that we're listening to right now underneath this this interview. But explain okay. to me about that. Tell, tell me about that and, um, and how it came about and what it means to you. Well, um, first of all, there's two people who created this track, this um, beat. some context for uh, the people listening to this because you got out really recently right yeah I bet because of the whole COVID thing going on it's got to add to the weirdness right Right, so what was that like? Was it? I bet everybody was super paranoid about being cooped up like that with each other. I mean, well, you tell me, what, what was it like? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was hard because I, I watched the news every day, every night. Sometimes I fall asleep with the news on. But I was, I was listening to the news about China being locked down, Italy being locked down, everywhere is getting locked down. I'm thinking, hold on a minute, this is serious. And then they started talking about what the symptoms were and I started feeling weird that basically end of February beginning of March I was wearing a mask yeah and everyone was like oh um, why are you wearing this mask oh you know this corona is not real and you don't need to wear a mask but I was wearing a mask so so every time I was coming out of myself I put my mask on and everyone used to be like oh you look stupid why you got this mask on crazy but yeah so how, yeah. how long was your sentence uh seven years seven years, seven years. jesus seven to three and a half okay so you did yeah. three and a half on a sentence of seven yeah at the beginning i did think to myself i'm not gonna get through this you know but i made the most of it that's the thing about me i think um Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, so how old were you when you went in then, Alfred? 32, 33. 
And do, and do you remember that first day when you went in? What was that like? What was your first impressions? Of, was it your first sentence as well? Well, it wasn't my first sentence, but I remember the first day that I did get in because I didn't feel like I should be in there, do you know what I mean? Because after my first sentence, I was like, oh man, I've got to stay out, you know, because jail's not pretty, even though some people like to make out like it's a good thing. Oh yeah, we'll get free hot meals a day and and I was like, well, do you want to have three hot meals a day when, you know, your freedom's a lot more better than that? But, the, the um, people actually say that, like, it's it's a good thing because you get a yeah. level of comfort or you get taken care of. Yeah, that, a lot of people, some some people, like, that's what they like, and I just can't, I can't, like, I can't believe that's how some people talk, but, yeah, that's how, that's how they talk, but when I got in there, What is it that you think um, causes people to reoffend like that? I mean, I know it's a big question. To be fair, from speaking to some people, it's like they can't handle responsibility of like doing everything themselves. Some people they'll do an offence over winter, so they can spend winter with somewhere to sleep. Right. So there's that or, link between homelessness and and that being a good option. Yeah, there's like a little Okay, so explain how that works then. Is it because they are able to socialise with people that are perhaps older than them, more experienced, and they've done this and they've done that? So is that what you mean yeah. by learning? Yeah, so basically you'd learn about a, you could easily learn about a different crime, like fraud, theft, robbery, kidnap, drug dealing, whatever it is. Do you know what I'm saying? People will learn about ways of making money Right. So you so you're not in there for that, but you meet somebody that's done that and you think, Oh, that's actually I might get away with that myself if I tried it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. One of the things I want to get at, and you you mentioned it a little bit earlier on, this kind of um when you start a sentence you have to decide to, what you're gonna do with your time, right? Um yeah. I'm I'm wondering what did having an experience like in-house and having that ability to make music, what difference did it make to your brain and to you being able to do something constructive with your time? Okay, so when I um, started my sentence, I had to do some sort of sentence plan. And my sentence plan was to do business, do music, English and maths yeah so basically my plan was to get my um, level 2 in maths get my level 2 in English get my 
It, it's interesting that you're saying uh, that you had all these other courses before you did the music one. I mean, I'm wondering. Yeah. Th- there's a there's a bit of a conversation that happens on the outside, not not with everybody, but with some people who can understand the idea of, I guess, English and maths being taught in a prison, but get a little bit funny when uh, it's suggested, you know, that there's music workshops. Um, and songwriting workshops going on in a prison, and and some people take the opinion that that is uh, that's almost too much fun. You know what I mean for people to be having. And, yeah. Which I mean, I know what I think about that, but I'm wondering what you think about that because I, I'd imagine that it gives you something very different, right, from studying uh, English and maths, however important that that might be to people. that's what I wanted to do and there was a book I think I read my first book coming into prison called The Secret and it basically said that I need to do I should do whatever makes me really happy in life whatever is my bliss that's what I should follow so music I found out was my bliss and and artwork being creative basically that's my bliss so I like to be creative I, I suppose, I mean, just to bring it back a little bit to that, that question of what do you think it gives, not just you, but, but anybody else that studying something like English and maths doesn't give you? Because it seems to me that there's all sorts of really important things that happen when, A, you make music, but B also when you make music with other people right there's it's quite a unique experience it helps with your mental health like basically whenever i was in music time flew so quick it was unreal how fast before you blink your eye it, it was over because everybody's just having so much fun and everybody's coming together to produce something and when you produce something really good remember a time in your youth or, or when you were younger um, when music first really got your attention you know was there a particular tune or maybe a music video or or something that you heard or saw that made you think wow that's cool okay so I was born in St. Lucia I'm from the Caribbean so when I was younger basically just basically stand outside their house and then you find this massive truck with massive speakers on the back just ride through your town or your area drive through and once it starts driving through the amount of people that's following this truck just dancing and having fun so yeah that's when I really started like some people get so excited they'll pick up something big like a fridge and start running 
what is it about music that has the ability to excite people like this? I mean, picking up a fridge and running down the street with it, that's quite extreme behaviour, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? No one's ever done that for a mass or an English class, have they? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. You're clearly a creative, and that's the that's the flame that you're drawn towards, right? I mean, that's yeah. what you find yourself doing. I mean, I, I love the description of that is your bliss. I mean, how does that look going forward for you? What what where do you hope to be with that in two years, five years, ten years? Okay, what does that? What's that mean then? Explain that to me, because like, uh, you mean it, it? It be accessible to everybody. Okay, and so how are they going to see how it's made and see where it started from? Well, um, that's where the, my idea with um, music production tree... Yeah, it, explain that then. So you need to break that down because uh, that, that sounds wonderful, but I've got no idea what, what you mean. What is a music production tree? The idea is... Yeah. So I, I, I get so you. So you're you're talking about putting out one stem, and then that gets picked up by, let's say, a guy in Ghana who adds something, who then sends it to a woman in Indonesia that adds her thing over the top. Is that kind of what you mean? Yes, exactly, exactly. It's it's exactly what I mean. I love the the scope of that, you know, like a truly international composition. When, if and when you do, uh, you've got to come back on this show and uh, talk about it and play me some of the music. That would be crazy. Wouldn't it? That would be crazy. Yeah, I'd love to do that. That would be crazy. Yeah. For sure, I'll definitely come back. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) This idea of... um, chasing your dreams and knowing what your bliss is right I mean and I think people need that in their life don't they like you need dreams you need bliss you need a touch of magic otherwise it's just uh, mundane nonsense a lot of the time you know it's one gas bill after another or whatever is irritating you on that day Right. But then she ends up working at Tesco's <laughs> This is a young Beyonce that really wants to do music, but but she what she gets a kind of safety job at Tesco's. Yeah, she just works 
makes her Tesco's, but then she never actually follows the bliss, what makes her happy. Yeah. Her dream, or what she really wants to do with her life, because she just feels secure at Tesco's. Yeah. She's making money, she's living a normal, stable life. But I think what's yeah. fascinating about that as well is that what a loss to the world at large as well, right? All those people that don't get to hear Beyonce. Yeah. Imagine what you could do if you just follow your dream. Just if you follow what really makes you happy, like so much things could be different. So I think everybody should follow their bliss and follow their dreams. That's a great place to uh, to end it, man. On on such a positive note. Well, listen, um, I've really enjoyed talking to you. We'll get you back on to talk about the uh, global music tree because that's the most insane thing I think I've ever heard. All right, man. Well, look, thank you so much for being so warm and open and uh, and sharing all your stories with me. But yeah, it was nice speaking to you, Will. Thank you. All right. You take care. Bye. find out more about the world's only prison-run record label, go to inhouserecords.org. That's all one word, inhouserecords.org. And if you'd like to hear more of these interviews, please hit subscribe if you can on whatever platform you use for podcasts. The In-House Podcast is an APA production for In-House Records. 97.2 FM Radio Reverb Welcome to In-House, the podcast about creativity and confinement. My name's Will Hood, and today's interview is with Phil. Hello. Hi, Phil. How you doing? Uh, Will, how's it going, man? Phil is 38 years old and had worked extensively in the music industry before serving a sentence of three and a half years. He met In-House near the end of his time in prison and was sufficiently impressed with the label to stay in touch with them after he left. He now runs an events company which is managing to prosper despite the COVID pandemic and he's been producing artists on the in-house label. He's clearly got a great ear for the presentation of other people's songs and a contagious love for the pursuit of well-produced music. sent over uh yeah the one that you've produced with beats right uh-huh. yeah so we had him on the podcast way back at the beginning i think he's episode two yeah he's quite a cool character he's uh, super cool yeah 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 for sure so, so tell me about meeting him when did you meet him uh how did that collaboration come about i popped down to brighton um in his new office down there um, Beats was there. I'd got my laptop and a sound card with me, so yeah, we'd set a mic and recorded him down there. Okay, what? Well, so you actually um, recorded him in the in-house office? Yeah. Ah, okay, that's yeah. crazy. It sounds great for that man. 
yeah, it took a bit of EQing and uh, you know, a few little tricks of the trade and techniques to get the vocals out and clean, but uh, it's still only a rough cut as well, so don't judge it too much. It was a bit of a funny one actually, because we recorded him at, I think he was set at about 138 on the BPM. Okay. And as soon as we recorded him and I asked him what direction he wants to take the track, he said drum and bass. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a bit of a challenge getting it to where it was. White line, high rise. She just wanna get high. It's your guy. For tonight. It's hard to find that sort of raw, crucial kind of soul that comes out of people. It's a, uh, you know, it's a brave thing to do, man. Just not many people would be able to kind of stand there and open up like that. So, uh, uh, effectively telling your story through music is. Yeah, I don't think I'd do it. That's why I'll sit behind the desk these days. It's just record. Brave is a really good word for it. I think that's that's what it is. It's um, I think that's been my experience is that I've watched some of these guys, uh, sing, what I would find like to be painful confessions. You know, to sing in front of people that I didn't know or whatever. I mean, it's incredibly brave. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing sound for well, as long as I can remember now. And every time I pick that microphone up, if I'm standing behind my desk, I'm fine. If I'm on the stage, stage fright kicks in and I just, I can't do it. Really? Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I can, I can bark orders from front of the house or side of stage and no issues at all. The second you've got to step out on stage and, you know, wing out a mic or something like that. So, yeah, it's a bit daunting. So, <laughs> Even after all these years. So what's going on there, do you think? I don't know, to be honest, it's just a uh, yeah, fear of getting it wrong, I suppose. How did you come to meet the in-house lot? Tell me what was going on with you at the time and the difference that they made to your situation. Yeah, so I um, ended up with a jail sentence. Um, met in-house sort of towards the end of my sentence, I'd say. Um, at Rochester um, there's a guy called Ren sort of met him on the wing and he said oh yeah there's this project going on called in-house records you know, they bring a couple of laptops in blah blah blah, blah and teach people how to produce and XYZ um, knew that I was a bit of a producer and sound engineer myself so kind of went from there I'm constantly amazed at just how many people there are orbiting the in-house scene, you know, at the, the label, um, and just quite how much talent there is there. Explain to me the appeal of that. What is it about in-house that has made you stay in touch? I don't know. I just thought Jude was a cool guy, and, uh, yeah, we, we got on inside, and... He um, said to me as I was leaving, you know, make sure you stay in touch, look us up when you get out. Um, so just out of courtesy for what he'd done for us while we was in, uh, looked him up when I got out. Yeah, I mean, for someone to sort of give their own time and turn up on a, a non-profit set-up organisation where he's not really making anything out of what he's doing apart from the joy of doing it, to, uh, to turn up inside a prison and bring all this kit one of the the points or, or the objectives of in-house if it was to be boiled down to a single statement it's to reduce reoffending right um, 
Yeah. I'm wondering for somebody that works in the music industry um, and has seen all the different uh, things that people get out of it, do you think that music like that can act as an, a type of agent for change? You know, can it have a positive effect on people? Certainly opens your eyes to when you get out, you could, you know, maybe get into the music game or push your career a bit further or. I mean, I guess that's what they're trying to do with the whole in-house project anyway. It's, you know, if you can open up somebody's mind like that in a short space with a few chords to, you know, this is where you was and this is where you could be. It's, um, yeah, it's a powerful thing. Something that's come up a lot before with other um, interviews is this idea of, of time that actually on the outside time is something you never have enough of right yeah uh yet in prison i suspect it's perhaps the opposite and that you actually have um too much of it yeah i mean do you have any thoughts about that like what what what's going on there and um and what did that mean to you when you were going through it i mean three 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 and a half years away seemed like an absolute eternity and i've been out, out for um um just under two and it's flown by <laughs> yeah, life from the outside definitely moves a lot quicker than it does on the in so how old were you when you started your three year sentence Phil? I was 34 I think when I went away okay so if you had the opportunity to talk to the younger version of yourself before you went inside, what kind of advice would you give to him? Um, don't grow weed. <laughs> don't do it on an industrial scale and don't get caught. <laughs> um, yeah. I appreciate the honesty of that answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, nah, just, um, yeah, there's a, a bigger picture in life, you know, you can just stay away from that line. Yeah, it's all fun and games at the time, but when they finally catch up with you, and they will, because the police are just too clever these days anyway. It's not just you, your life that you kind of ruin, it's everyone else around you as well. I mean, my wife and my son's had to put up with it, family. And... Okay, so you, um, how old was your son when you went in? Um, he was eight, I think. Okay. That must have been tough for both of you, but I mean, imagine um, you being away from him when he was at that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it all kind of hit home. I'd got out the day before his 12th birthday. Okay. And, uh, I remember my wife saying to me, Do you realise you've been away for a third of his life? And that was a bit of a, well, okay, time to get my head down and, uh, yeah. I do drugs, he said, hadn't have had uh, in-house to occupy your time 
um, in the way that it did. What difference do you think that would have made to you? Um, I can kind of write music without having the controls and stuff in front of me. You know, different drum patterns, you can scribble down on a bit of graph paper. Um, knowing how to drum anyway and just tapping away on bits and pieces and constantly fidgeting. I could write music on a blank piece of paper. Um, certain colours are like certain bass lines and different scribbles represent different things. So, to be honest, I'm still working my way through the book of ideas that I had while I was away, but it was a definite bonus being able to to jump onto a, a physical computer and get your ideas out. Okay, so that's really fascinating to me. So you're, you're talking about a book of ideas that you were writing when you were in your cell. Uh, and you're describing a relationship between colours and musical ideas. Like, uh, describe that a little bit more for me. So, I don't know whether it was always there or it just came because of looking at a, a gridded drum pattern, for instance. You know, you can sort of count 32 individual squares and you know that you're going to get four drops out of that. You know, you can build stuff up in blocks of four. It's tapping away on a desk, you might come across a little pattern and think, oh, you know, I've never played that before, that sound quite cool with a kick or, you know, kind of roll the snare off a little bit more and just trying to find a way of almost creating notation without having electronics or instruments around you. Okay, that's super cool. So you're really talking about uh, using your own notation to write these things down, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you're saying you got a book full of, of these scribbles of your own um, ideas. Yeah, I mean, some of it you can't make head or tail of, but uh, <laughs> it clearly meant something at the time. You've, you've just blown uh, it open now. You had me believing that you were some kind of uh, no, no, mastermind. I'm like, uh, a musical genius. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it's crazy that you're holding that in your head. I find that really fascinating to, um, to produce without the equipment. That is, um, that's a really fascinating idea, then. Yeah, it's a, it's a long time away, and uh, yeah, keeps your brain active. It's... What about the colours, though? Is it's like, because I, I kind of relate a little bit to what you're saying with that. Like different um, keys for me have. I guess it's kind of colours, but they have a different atmospheres around them. I mean, people talk. Um, I think when these this phenomenon is extreme they call it synesthesia have you ever heard that you know when your senses yeah. get mixed up is it a little bit like yeah. that yeah kind of I guess it's like I mean I do lights as well and I was doing lights as well as audio before I went to jail so um, yeah you've always you know you can kind of set the mood in a club just by the colour of the lights that you're using mm. so you know DJs definitely make the best lighting engineers because you read the music as it's coming you know, you understand where the drops are and where the build-ups are and you can kind of toy with colours and, and emotions to get, you know, the atmosphere going in the flow anyway. So it was, um, I guess it all stems back from that. If somebody is listening to this and, and they want to meet a producer like you, you know, they've got ideas... What advice would you give them for developing as an artist? Um, just don't give up. I mean, if I could go back and change anything, I'd, I'd have probably learned a lot more on the theory side of stuff before getting into producing. 
So as boring as it seems, it's definitely well worth doing. Okay, you mean theory as far as how music uh, is harmonically put together? Yeah, like m- music theory definitely you... helps a lot with the production these days. So you would, um, if you uh, were talking to yourself as a younger man, you would say uh, immerse yourself and, and learn some of the fundamentals around music theory? Yeah, 100%. Definitely study a lot more theory. Yeah. Get your head around that. So... And, uh, yeah, go from there. I mean, I started in the music game when I was... I was still at school. When I was 15. I went and bought my first set of decks. Um, and I mean, there's loads of DJs, everyone's doing it these days. Not many of them play final these days, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of them about. But uh, back then, it wasn't, there was there was no one at all around. I mean, I remember going into Richardson and buying my first set of decks, and uh, even the guy behind the counter, you know, sort of saying, are you sure you want to buy these? Like, <laughs> so what, what year are we in now then? Oh, gosh. Uh, 96. 798. Okay, okay. And, and how old were you then? Um, now you're asking. <laughs> I was around the sort of 16. Okay, okay. So do you remember what it was at that age that you were listening to or, or had an influence on you where you thought, I need a bit of that, I want to be that guy? Strictly jungle, mate. Drum and bass. Um, yeah, big heavy B-lines, uh, huge aim and brakes. Yeah, one of the hardest styles supposedly to play, so that's where I was going. Nice. So were you frequenting um, kind of warehouse raves, that type of thing? Yeah, you could say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'd um, got my decks and learned how to mix and then um, built a small sound system that slowly got bigger and bigger and bigger and um, ended up running with the name Chronic Sounds, getting involved in the squat party scene and, you know, field parties and warehouse parties and uh yeah there was just nothing better than taking your rig out and making a load of noise white lines high rise she just wanna get high kiss on your guy for tonight what are your hopes for the for the future going forward um either musically or or business wise I mean let's start with with music as far as you as a producer or a creator of music um yeah, it'd be nice to uh, have someone like, uh, you know, one of the major labels knock the door and say, right, how do you fancy a, a record deal? Here's a couple of million quid, retire yourself off and just sit down and produce. But uh, Okay, that that's you know, the dream, is it? <laughs> it'd be nice, yeah. But if not, you know, it's kind of like a lifelong hobby anyway, so um, I don't think I'll ever stop. Let's see what tomorrow brings. All right, man. Um, I think there's there's loads in there, Phil. I really appreciate you sharing all of that with me. Good luck with everything. Um, I'm pleased yep. that you're so busy, and I'll definitely come check out the operation. Cool. Look forward to it. All right, mate. Bye, mate. Take it easy. Thanks for your time again. All right. Cheers, as well. Bye. Cheers. Bye. To find out more about the world's only prison-run record label, Go to inhouserecords.org. That's all one word, inhouserecords.org. And if you'd like to hear more of these interviews, please hit subscribe if you can on whatever platform you use for podcasts. The Inhouse Podcast is an APA production for Inhouse Records. Radio Reverb.
Okay, I believe that's about it for this month. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the in-house, the podcast contribution to the Radio Reverb output. It's worth mentioning that if you are in Brighton for the Brighton Festival, and why wouldn't you be, uh, the guys and the label are playing out on the Hove Lawns, I believe on the 12th and also the 15th of May. And on the 15th, which is the Sunday, they are there all day. So that's from 11am till 7pm. So I would highly advise you going along and checking them out. I'm going to play out now with a tune by one of the in-house artists called Sea Roots, and this track is called Panic. Yeah. Roots, back on the roads again. East Eluente, slew them bloodlines. Check, I'm trying to be the Black James Bond. Yeah, with all the gadgets. Go, go, get, throw, ever lavish. Live life on the edge, never panic. Familiar, uh, all savage, all potential mandatories. Better panic, black cat from the whip to the garms to the stick. Yeah, better panic, here comes the slew. Better panic, hey, it's sea roots. Better panic, uh, and sea oops to do damage. Lick bare blocks, move up the cabbage. Cut through paper just like a ratchet Catch it and stack it and buy the next packet Aspirations to buy the Maserati With the ass in the country to back it Next stop, buy the supermarket Panic, 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 panic Hey, guess who's back? Panic, 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 panic <laughs> It's sea roots on the track, Hey, Panic, 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 panic Hey. Guess who's back? Panic, 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 panic. Yo, this is a slew yeah. As my sums grow larger, I move pasture. Anything you can do, I can do faster. I love the datas on their knees saying, monster. Whip your backs, you lick a ass, yeah. Born a row, eat a different class, yeah. Ghetto boy with a dream come to pasture. I will bless all the real after my daughter. And where were all you fakes when it was darker? Don't let me see your hand out, I'll dark ya. And if you took a liberty, I'll scar ya. My words cut through the beat and get sharper. I'm off the charter, head top barker. Back on the street again, climb to the top, Peter Parker. Been through L soldiers standing on the last star, yeah. I'm the last star, I'm coming back for everything to stay ta-ta. Panic, 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 panic. Hey, guess who's back? Panic, 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 panic. <laughs> it's sea roots on the track. Hey, panic, 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 panic. Hey, guess who's back? Panic, 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 panic. Yo, this is a slew them track. Panic, 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 panic. Hey, guess who's back? Panic, 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 panic. <laughs> it's sea roots on the track. Hey, panic, 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 panic. Hey, guess who's back? Panic, 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 panic. Let me tell you about a thrill. Radio Reverb.